And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. And for the second time in a week, it's a Chelsea in crisis special. We'll bring you all the latest on the sanctions imposed on owner Roman Abramovich and what it means for the club and its future. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Deep breath. Here we go again then, gang. Assembled to try and make some sense out of the current situation at Chelsea Football Club. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Twice a week, I'm joined by the Athletics' Chelsea experts. With me today are Liam Toomey. No quirky one-liners today. Things are too real. (laughs) Simon Johnson, fresh from a Norwich hotel or fresh in a Norwich hotel. Maybe not fresh, but definitely in a Norwich hotel. Morning, Simon. Good morning. I, (laughs) I might get disturbed by room service at any point. Okay, we look forward to that. Uh, Dominic Fifield's also with us. Hi, Dom. Morning, how are you doing? Yeah, so-so, so-so. Well, it was always our intention to record our second show on Friday rather than the usual Thursday slot this week. And boy, are we glad that we made that decision because on Thursday morning, everything changed again. In the last hour, the government's confirmed the owner of Chelsea Football Club, Roman Abramovich, is being sanctioned along with six other Russian oligarchs. The club can't sell further match tickets. The club can't sell any merchandise from its shop. But, crucially, they can fulfil their fixtures, including tonight. They can pay the players and staff and existing ticket holders can attend matches. Abramovich has links to Putin who is mounting a barbaric and evil attack against the people of Ukraine. This government, we in this department, stand with the people of Ukraine. And as I've said, I'm afraid sanctions have consequences. Abramovich's actions have consequences too. There is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, potentially. The government has offered a licence so that the club can run day to day. 
But there is, we understand, a potential for a licence to be granted whereby a sale could proceed in the future so long as none of the proceeds go to Roman Abramovich. The mobile network 3 has asked Chelsea to suspend sponsorship, remove its brand from the club's shirt and also from the stadium. Almost the unthinkable step has been taken by the UK mm. government. They've stopped Abramovich in his tracks yeah. by sanctioning him. And now all sorts of implications to that. Everybody can be very sure that that, that we focus on, on 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 us and we focus to to keep the, the, the mentality and the attitude right in, in our training ground and, and within the team. And so far we can trust each other and, and this will not change as long as we have have enough shirts and as long as we have, have uh, a bus to drive to the games, we will be there and we will uh, compete hard. So, Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned by the UK government as part of its response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The government believes the Chelsea owner has had a close relationship for decades with Russia's President Vladimir Putin, which Abramovich has always denied. Like the rest of his assets, Chelsea would have been frozen, but a special licence granted by the government allows the Stamford Bridge Club to keep operating. Uh, Dom, you were you were on this yesterday for The Athletic. When, when were the club informed of the news? It was what, just after nine o'clock UK time that, that it was made public knowledge. Did, did the club get a heads up on that, presumably? I don't think it was very much of a heads up if there was any heads up at all. The, the players, as Simon has detailed in his piece this morning as well, uh, were informed whilst on the coach um, on the way to a private airport terminal at Gatwick where they were going to take the short journey to to Norwich um, and they, they weren't informed by the club they were informed when social media alerts and whatsapp messages started dropping and pinging on their mobiles and I, I believe that there was no formal sort of explanation from the club at any point on that journey um, Thomas Tuchel had a brief chat with his players. He must have had some kind of conversation with either Marina Granovskaya or Bruce Buck at some point in the day. But well, I think it caught everybody on the hop, to be honest. I think that there was an assumption within the club and possibly within the Premier League as well that the sale of Chelsea Football Club would go through before any sanctions were imposed and possibly the... Some of the pledges made by Roman Abramovich in his statement last week, just before the the Luton Town fixture, um, might have helped that happen. As it transpired, the the the, the sheer political pressure and and will to, uh, and the worsening situation in Ukraine with maternity hospitals being shelled, etc., um, has 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 prompted the British government to take the plunge. They feel as if they've got a legally watertight argument that um, Abramovich is pro-Kremlin, close to the Kremlin, close to Putin, and they've acted. And suddenly, you know, with the dropping of those those WhatsApp messages and the, and the social media alerts, Chelsea's world has been plunged into chaos. So, Liam, a question a lot of Chelsea supporters have been asking is why now for, for the sanctions to be imposed when, when obviously it was first mentioned in Parliament a couple of weeks ago and then again last week by Keir Starmer. From what Dom's saying there, is it because the government wanted to make sure that, that legally their case was solid because we know that, that Roman Abramovich is not afraid to, to lawyer up if he, if he thinks he's got a case? I think that's probably an aspect of this. Um, another aspect is that they have effectively been shamed into taking more action against Russian oligarchs generally uh, by the EU, by, um, I think there's been pressure from the US. Um, 
and and of course from you know public opinion about the the situation in in Ukraine we've seen before that you know that's the way this this government tends to operate they're quite reactive and often behind the curve with these sorts of things but another key consideration i think in all of this is that for all of Abramovich's insistence last week that he had no intention of profiting from a Chelsea sale. Clearly, the UK government don't want to take him at his word on that. And they, they don't trust him necessarily to follow through on that or to send the money where he says he's going to. Um, so they have put themselves in position to control the process of a sale. That's what I believe fundamentally this is, because it's the only tenable outcome now, isn't it? Chelsea can't function under sanctions for a long time. And I don't think the government imposed this license with a view to basically limiting Chelsea for a long time. The 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 plan is is for a change of ownership as soon as possible. And um and I think the UK government had determined that wherever the money goes, that that bit doesn't seem to have been fully game planned out yet. Um it will not be to a bank account that is controlled by Roman Abramovich. Simon, you're at Carrow Road last night it strikes me again that, that we're in the position where Thomas Tuchel and, and in yesterday's case Emma Hayes have been left to do all the talking was there any chat from anybody at the, the game that we might hear from the likes of a, a Granovskaya a Czech or a Buck or are they just have they just almost washed their hands of this situation well that's the thing we don't know if they've washed their hands of this we, we don't see them um it, it almost feels like Thomas Tuchel's expertise and, and Emma Hayes um, in, in, in talking about these subjects is almost being taken for granted. They're so good, it's like, oh, yeah, let's just keep them uh, because they seem to know the right things to say, not only to their players, but to, to the Chelsea fans tuning in that want to have some reassurance themselves. Um, Tuchel, again, post-match, um, was very reassuring, but, but also painting the picture that he's basically saying, look, you guys perhaps know more than I do. And and I think he's being very honest and genuine in that. Um, as Dom alluded to at the start, th- there was no sort of like great briefing to him and, and the players on, on, on the way to the game. Um, it was kind of like, get on with it, try and win the game. Um, and that's what Tuchel is, is kind of focusing on. If anything, the, the intense fixture list at this moment is is a blessed relief from the the thoughts that are going through must be going through all their minds about what the future holds for Chelsea. But it's all real well sort of like sort of getting the players and, and, and Tuchel being able to and Emma Hayes and the women players being able to focus on these one games. But I, I think it's going to be harder as t- the longer this draws on for, for people to be able to sort of put this to, to the back of their minds. The reality is that as much as we as members of the media and as Chelsea fans are desperate to hear from the hierarchy and from people further up the food chain than, than Thomas Tuchel. Um, the suggestion is that Bruce Buck and, and presumably Marina Granovskaya were presumably talking to the government through most of yesterday, trying to get the the license that was imposed, um, which, you know, was imposed and, and Chelsea should be grateful that it was because the alternative is unthinkable, but they were still trying to get that license relaxed so that they can function and those talks were, were going on yesterday with government officials and I imagine they'll presumably be extended into today, Friday, uh, in an attempt to make sure that the, the club can function because the bottom line is, as we've said before on this podcast, Chelsea make a loss. Chelsea are reliant upon Roman Abramovich 
to function as a business. Their wage bill is hugely onerous, £333 million in the last financial figures, albeit that number was probably warped slightly by, by win bonuses because they were so successful in the Champions League. So I think you can probably assume that it's about £25 million a month. Well, they've got to meet payroll. Do Chelsea have the cash reserves, given that any money that they they, they receive, um, any money, you know, from selling off the what remains of their merchandise stock, from from any transfers for sales, any, they're due any money on that. That all, that all that money is frozen. It's not for them to spend on a day to day basis. It's frozen. They are reliant, as it stands, under that license, on cash reserves. Do they have even twenty five million pounds in the bank to pay for the? for the wages for next month. We d- we simply don't know. So I think that's why the club is so anxious to have the licence changed slightly and shifted so that they can make some money. There can be a steady flow of ticket sale money, merchandise money, whatever they can get really, so that they can meet their obligations to payroll, etc. And and just quickly, Matt, just sort of your, your question about why aren't they speaking? You have to bear in mind we've never heard from Marina no. Granovskaya on anything, and I can't remember the last time Bruce spoke to the media um, on anything either. And perhaps they want to avoid, particularly since the whole Super League business. Well, yes, and of course you almost go back to the CPO uh, situation, which was woefully handled. And um, but yeah, you just you just sort of think that they won't want certain awkward questions being asked in their direction about their association with the Bramwich. So let Thomas Tuchel take centre stage and, and deal with it all. Uh, Liam, I'll ask you about what's happening with the sponsorship in a minute. But Dom, if you could just lay out as you did in your piece yesterday, what the impact is on things like ticket sales and the shop being closed and the, the budget for, for travel, all, all the actual whys and wherefores of that in case anybody missed it yesterday. Okay, well, under the terms of the licence that's been granted, um, they cannot make any further ticket sales. So season tickets are fine. I think there are 25,000, 28,000 season ticket holders and they've prepaid so they can continue coming to Chelsea games. But um, beyond, I think I think Brentford started selling some tickets for the game at Stamford Bridge in early April at the beginning of this week. So they presumably have made some sales ahead of the, the licence award on the 10th of March. Uh, but they can now no longer sell tickets because that money would go to Chelsea and therefore, by definition, eventually to Roman Abramovich. So all those transactions are done. Chelsea fans may be able to go to away fixtures because those those ticket sales will benefit the, the host clubs. So I imagine that, that there is a chance that those, those games will probably sell out even quicker than they have done at the moment. But that's on ticket sales. I mean, we, we, we wait to see what happens with the FA Cup. Maybe the FA could could sell tickets on on well on Chelsea's behalf or to Chelsea fans but it, that money must never go back to the club likewise the Champions League with with the UEFA we we have no idea on that yet we're still waiting to see how they address the situation uh, so that's tickets um with things like traveling to away games they've been capped at 20 grand for necessary travel so uh, an away trip say to Middlesbrough, if that hadn't been prepaid, they would be limited to £20,000. Now, this is a Premier League football club that would normally travel with 20, 21 first-team players, backroom staff, administrative staff, medical staff, security staff, private jets, 
either way, you're probably talking 50 personnel, bare minimum. For a domestic return journey, we would sort of, there were suggestions that it would be more like 45 to 50 grand. So clearly that's not going to be possible under the government restrictions. Uh, so it's a lot of train journeys. And, and in fairness, a lot of Premier League clubs travel to away games by train. That's what happens. I mean, the whole notion of, I mean, that Chelsea flew to Norwich yesterday is still a bit baffling in the times that we live in, but there you go. Um, so they can get by that. They won't be staying in the same luxury hotels that they used to, perhaps, but um, yeah, they'll just have to get used to the new reality. Um, away travel in Europe, slightly different. 20 grand doesn't get you very far when you're travelling to, say, a Madrid or Munich in the next round of the Champions League, presuming they get past Lille next week. And I imagine their trip to Lille has already been prepaid and it's all sorted. Um, so there may have to be a bit of leeway given by the government in terms of travel for away games in Europe. And they have indicated that that could well be the case. Chelsea cannot receive any transfer fees at the moment. They cannot sign any players at the moment. They cannot renew any contracts at the moment. Basically, everything that's in place at the moment, they can satisfy if they have the cash reserves to do so. So they can, if they, if a next instalment on Romelu Lukaku's deal uh, from Inter is, is due, they can meet that cost if they have the money to do so. Um, but, you know, the, the whole idea of Antonio Rudiger suddenly getting a new contract worth 300 grand a week is out the window. I would be intrigued to see, and maybe Simon and Liam can fill me in, whether the they can even kick in the a year extension clause on Cesar Azpilicueta because technically you're taking on another obligation and I'm not sure at the moment whether they'd be able to do that. Um, but, you know, basically any any transaction is frozen. They, they cannot do anything. Catering at games, 500 grand limits for home games. 500 grand doesn't get you very far, even with only twenty five to 28,000 people in the stadium. That's about £18 a head. Now, that's not going to do very much for the prawn sandwich brigade up in the uh, the west and the east stands. It's uh, that's not that's not enough money to to cater for them. So everything is going to be downsized. Everything is going to be scaled back just so that they can function and fulfil their fixtures. I suspect that this license will shift again. I suspect there will be lots of changes to it to make it more feasible for Chelsea to function as a club. It won't be the same club. It's not going to be the same as it was last week. But I suspect that it's in everybody's interest that they can fulfil their fixtures. They can continue to to be a viable business for the for the, for the near future, for the foreseeable future, until a buyer can be sorted out. And the other thing, of course, with the license is actually concerns the sale and what happens with that. Because under the terms of the current license, it will be very, 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 very difficult for Chelsea to be sold to a prospective buyer. However. All parties can apply for a separate license, and this will be the key license that would allow a sale to go through as long as none of the funds ever landed back with Abramovich. Not a penny has to go to him. So, again, that's the process that presumably the government and Chelsea are talking about at the moment to try and get that done. And over all of this, sorry to keep talking and keep talking, but this is complicated. But overall, is is what does Abramovich do? Does he fight this legally? Is he outraged at the assertion that he is close to Putin, which is something that he's always railed against? You know, every media organisation in this country has been has been served notice that we're not supposed to make that allegation. Now the British government has gone out and made it and, and, and feels illegally watertight to do that. 
Um, is he going to fight this process? Is he going to fight these sanctions? Because if he does, everything gets drawn out. Everything is protracted. And I think then, actually, the very immediate future of Chelsea is cast under considerable doubt. Uh, also casting doubt, I guess, Liam, is, is the fact that the likes of three have, have suspended their deal as the, the club's principal sponsor. We believe that's worth, what, about £40 million in terms of, of that deal. Uh, these brands are obviously looking to protect themselves and presumably they can do this without any sort of financial implication to themselves because there's a kind of good faith agreement that, that both parties w- will act in the best interests of one another and, and three and Hyundai and Nike or whoever will say, well, you're not doing that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think there are often sort of moral type clauses in these commercial deals that that give either party an opportunity to to take an action like this. You know, I, I'm generally quite cynical of anything relating to a moral stance when it comes to to a corporation, but um, but obviously brands are are going to engage in brand protection at times like this, and three don't want to be associated with Chelsea as long as Roman Abramovich is the owner. Um, functionally, I don't think it's a massive issue right now because even if three were paying Chelsea still, Chelsea couldn't use that money. Um, so it doesn't functionally change how Chelsea will operate under this license. And they're not ripping up the deal, they're suspending it. As things stand, the only partners of Chelsea who've walked away are Plan International, the charity who've um, brought forward a deal that was already due to end in May to now in light of everything that's happened. So if sponsors actually start walking away, that will be a very different issue for Chelsea and something that's far more consequential for the club. And that, of course, is another consideration for what Dom just talked about, which is if Abramovich fights this, there will be this will be one of the ripple effects um, I think, you know, one of the many ways in which it would be catastrophic for Chelsea is that, you know, he's he's already perceived to be toxic. Um, his presence is seen to be toxic and brands will act accordingly if if he tries to stick around um, and, and kind of challenge the UK government on this. Chelsea could pay a really high um, commercial price for it as much as anything else. Simon, how big an impact do you think this is, is going to have on, on a potential sale? I mean, obviously a massive one, but but are people who expressed an interest already sort of negotiating with the government now? Is is that what is happening? It, it seems like people haven't necessarily been put off attempting to buy Chelsea. No, and understandably so, because you've got a chance of purchasing the, the European champions, the club World Cup holders, a team synonymous with great success potentially on the cheap. Of course, there is the concern about buying a club off Abramovich, but if you're buying off the UK government, that's a different story. Um, there's Rain, uh, the, the merchant bank that are in charge of, of, of the sale and certainly been sort of he- heading up the sale, that they, they have paused things for 24, 48 hours, but as far as they can say, no one's dropped their interest. In fact, the the, the amount of inquiries they've had a, a, a hit in the roof. And, and like I said, it, it's, it's no, no surprise. I mean, this is a remarkable opportunity, despite the circumstances, to own one of the best clubs in Europe. Um, so unsurprisingly, it's, it's garnered loads of interest. And potentially, it's going to be even cheaper now than it was a, a few days ago. 
Dear me, what a situation we find ourselves in. Uh, Liam, how does this reflect on Chelsea's history uh, since 2003? In your mind, are the trophies tainted now? How do you think supporters are supposed to feel? It's, um, it's a difficult one for people to get their head around. Well, look, I said on this podcast last week when Abramovich indicated um, his intent to sell that it was okay for fans to feel conflicted about his ownership and what it meant for for Chelsea, what it meant for English football, what it meant for the wider world. Um, I think that's absolutely unchanged. I mean, it you know, it seems pretty clear that Abramovich should not have been allowed to own Chelsea, given the given the questions that have always been there about the source of his wealth, the things he's denied about his relationship with Putin. You know, the, these questions have not arisen since Russia invaded Ukraine. They've always been there. And the only thing that's changed is that suddenly his ownership of Chelsea has become unacceptable to the British political establishment and the British football establishment. Everyone was prepared to look the other way for a long time until all of this happened. And I think the starting point of this conversation, before we even talk about how Chelsea fans do or don't act, is that everyone has to own that um, and we have to have a bigger conversation about where British football is. We still have Saudi Arabia owning Newcastle. We have Abu Dhabi owning Manchester City. We have Qatar owning Paris Saint-Germain. Football has been totally unquestioning of where the money has come from for for a long time. And it, that attitude, the, the attitude that there's no such thing as bad money, I think made a, a situation like this inevitable as for the way Chelsea fans should feel about it I think I don't I think everyone's going to feel differently and I think a lot of Chelsea fans do actually feel conflicted but nobody notices the fans who don't sing um and I you know I, th- I think people will probably you know reevaluate their views in the fullness of time as well but right now with everything that's happened over the last week or two I mean it's been an incredibly fast process this um, and the kind of shift in public perception of a, or the accepted public perception of Abramovich has shifted so quickly um, that I think it's jarring for a lot of Chelsea fans. And that's part of why you're seeing this, some of them rallying around him. And some of it is just football fans acting like football fans. But fundamentally, I, I think not everyone's going to feel the same way. And I think people's feelings may well change over time as well. Yeah, we'll talk more about uh, what happened at Norwich on Thursday night shortly. Uh, just to bring this section to a close though, Simon, what do you think is the most likely resolution here? Do you, do you think that there will be a, a sale fairly swiftly? Do you think this is going to drag on into the summer or, or do you think this is you know, the beginning of the end of Chelsea? <laughs> well, I think I think Dom sort of mentioned it earlier. Abramovich, it's, it's all up to what his next move is. Um, if the sanctions just involved Chelsea, it would be a lot easier. Uh, you would sort of think he, he would do the right thing given his statement when he sold the club, uh, when he announced he was going to sell the club, that, that he wouldn't take any proceeds, etc. But these sanctions uh, obviously hit his reputation just generally and, and all his businesses. So, yeah, is he going to fight it? Is he going to fight it? Um, if he doesn't fight it, then yes, I, I think what the government will hope because I don't I really can't honestly believe the government want Chelsea to 
not exist and run them into the ground. Um, there'll be a lot of angry voters <laughs> for, for one thing, the cynic in me. Um, so I, I think look, the, the ideal scenario for Chelsea is, of course, that a new owner comes in, buys the club, and then things will get, very quickly go back to normal, relatively. Um, and this will be quickly forgotten about as far as the fans are concerned. But Chelsea, as they've been over the last 19 years, it's the end of an era. It no longer exists. Um, Chelsea won't. I can't see them being this trophy-winning machine as they have been because simply they they haven't they won't find another owner that's been willing to write the kind of checks that Abramovich was. That's that's the key, isn't it? Because you've got to find an owner that's willing to put his or her hand in their pockets um, to the tune potentially of £40 million a month just to match what the previous owner did or just to aspire to match what the previous owner did. When, when, when Abramovich was bought, there was an opportunity there at Chelsea to make them into something that they, they'd never been before, really, or hadn't been for 50 years. When uh, Newcastle were bought, they were a, a club at its lowest ebb, really, and, and the potential was there. Same with Manchester City. At Chelsea, you're buying the world champions. So on the one hand, that might be appealing for your, your ego. I've bought the, the world champions here. Fantastic. On the other, where do you go from there? There's only one way, unfortunately. So it's it's a different kind of ownership. It has to be a different kind of ownership, really. And that will mean Chelsea are a very different kind of club. Could be for the better, though, right, Liam? I mean, we've heard from the Chelsea Supporters Trust about you know their, their desire to get what they call a golden share in the club. There's the potential for something like that to happen. And when I say for the better, I don't necessarily mean in, in terms of trophies but in terms of the way that the club is run and, and you know the part that it plays in wider society or is that just wishful thinking there's the potential um and if you were uh, it depends on whether you're an optimist or a pessimist about this whole thing i i think you know looking at the way english football more generally is run it's not typically with a huge regard for the fans i thought the the chelsea supporters trust uh, statement was excellent I thought they were they were really really um, smart to draw directly from Tracy Crouch's points, um, and they've also met with her. They are doing all the right things to apply pressure, and you know the CPO asking for the forgiveness of the loan to put themselves in an even stronger position. I think you know fan groups recognise that this is the time for them to try to make their voices heard. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing all the right buttons in doing that. But we, we also know fundamentally that they don't have a lot of power. Are they actually going to be a major consideration for the people running this sale process, for the, for the bidders, um, for the British government who ultimately have to approve a sale? I'd like to think so. History tells us otherwise. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would hope that the, the new owners of Chelsea would immediately sit down um, and kind of, you know, thrash out exactly how how fans can be better represented in the running of the club. But uh, yeah, I don't hold out a ton of hope for that. 
Well, The Athletic's the best place to be to keep up to date with this rapidly developing story. Head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up now if you aren't currently a subscriber and you'll pay just £1 a month for the first six months. Both Chelsea's men's and women's teams were in action on Thursday night. We'll tell you how they got on next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In slightly farcical circumstances, Chelsea visited Carrow Road on Thursday and picked up a 3-1 win against a surely doomed Norwich. Both Simon and producer Lucy were there and we're going to start by getting the thoughts of producer Lucy. This is a first for the podcast. Outrageous. Um, <laughs> wow. Is it a voice note? Scenes. This is this is this is why we're going on uh, on YouTube, you see. This is the big draw. Um so Lucy, you were in the in the away end. Talk to us a bit about what the mood was like before you got there, when you got there, was it defiance? Was it a pity party? Was it a bit of everything? Yeah, I think it was every emotion wrapped up in one. I'm I, I showed up very fashionably late, uh, thanks to my mum and dad. We'd been in a pub around the corner with some Norwich fans beforehand. And again, there was just sort of a, a chatter of them just being like, what on earth is going to happen here? They didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, and then, yeah, once we got into our seats, I would say it was definitely a defiant mood. Um, there was a lot of chanting of Roman Abramovich's name. There obviously wasn't the moment for Ukraine at the start. So there wasn't the opportunity to kind of tarnish that moment as there had been at Burnley. But especially in the first half, it was very, very noticeable. Um, I was right in the corner, so I can't speak for all Chelsea fans. I can't tell you how many of the very large travelling contingency were chanting it, but it was incredibly audible. And then the Norwich fans in the stand to our right would then chant back, boo it. They were booing very loudly. That was very audible. I don't know if it was picked up on TV or radio. Um, They were chanting sort of dirty Russian money, which was then being jeered at back by the Chelsea fans. Uh, second half, obviously, the performance was much worse. So the fans were a lot quieter. And there was sort of that balance between the seriousness and kind of the the defiance of his name being chanted, but then the fun of Chelsea gets sanctioned everywhere we go, which felt a lot lighter, which didn't feel quite so sinister, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, I didn't particularly enjoy the experience. But as I say, the football in the first half was great and everyone was kind of enjoying this sort of bizarre carnival atmosphere. But yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I asked Liam how supporters should be feeling. Obviously, regular listeners know you and the rest of the Oliva Massive are massive Chelsea fans. So how are you? How's the family? What's your take been on it? Yeah, I think exactly as Liam said, it's a feeling of being massively conflicted. Like I'm 27. All I've known my whole life is this. I don't know any different. And I've 100% been guilty of, I don't know if I, I go as strong as turning a blind eye, but... I've been totally ignorant to all of it. And I've been sort of blissfully 
oh yeah, so what? Like, we're great. I haven't, I haven't thought about it. And obviously this has massively brought to the forefront things that people don't really want to confront. And I think deep down, Chelsea fans, of course, know that we can't justify this. But at the same time, when you're being told that your club may be ripped away from you and the players are going to be punished and people are thinking, well, it's not their fault. Why Why are we getting penalised as fans? Why are we the ones that this is being taken out on? But there's nowhere else. There's not another avenue to take it out on. So you kind of have to accept it. But again, because I, I work in the media and I see both sides of it, I hadn't been to a game as a fan for three or four years, more than that. So it felt very strange for me to be on the other side when I kind of straddle both parties. But yeah, I think it is absolutely, a fe- for me, a feeling of unease of... Yeah, you don't want to be tarred with the brush that you're all scum. Is what we were, what we were being charged? I don't think I am, but that's what you're being made to feel, and it's horrible. Um, I had a, a top on with with Chelsea shirts or not a Chelsea shirt, and I and I was hiding it because I was like, this is it. I don't. I, why did I wear this? And yeah, it was quite a difficult feeling to reconcile. But when you're watching the team that you love, it's hard to then hate them or hate what they represent. So I'm just a bundle of every emotion and rambling, as you can tell, because I don't know what to feel right now. <laughs> I, d- I, I feel quite strongly about this, Lucy, that look, there's nothing morally inherently deficient about Chelsea fans in the way that they've reacted to this whole situation. I think fans of pretty much any club in this particular situation you'd be getting the same sort of range of reactions. You would be getting the tribalistic circling of the wagons and you would be getting the more sort of thoughtful, conflicted feelings that others are, that others are doing. You never get one voice, but you're always going to get that, that, that tribal element. We only have to remember what Newcastle fans were like when the Premier League initially blocked PIF's takeover. They hadn't even arrived yet. And, and there was incredible anger um, at the Premier League for blocking that. And of course, any time Manchester City's owners are criticised, you get a very similar reaction. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying this is something that is inherent to football fan culture. And I don't think it's particularly helpful to demonise a certain fan base just because they happen to be the one that is in the spotlight right now. Um, and it's also ignoring, as I said, the bigger issue, which is that for 19 years... The English football establishment, the British political establishment, told Chelsea fans, essentially, even by their silence, that all this was okay. And then suddenly within 16 days, which is how long um, Russia have been in Ukraine, it's completely changed. So, I, I, you know, some Chelsea fans might need a bit of time. Yeah, that's fair enough. Simon, in terms of covering the game, I bet it was a weird experience. Did they, those early goals from, from Chalibur and Mount kind of snap you into it? Oh, yeah, there's actually a football match taking place here. Um, I, part of me was sitting there going, can I just go to a game to write about the game, please? <laughs> because I was at Luton last week. Um, the, the, are, you, are you saying you wanted to go and write about Kai Havertz, son? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, poor old Kai. He, he's uh, he, his performance is being overshadowed somewhat at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you you were sort of sitting there going, yeah, this is this is great in everything in terms of Chelsea winning game of football, but it doesn't. It, this is not the story. This is not. It doesn't feel very relevant right now. It 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 it. it it's a credit to the players that they've been able to maintain their performances and they're on a good run at the moment. And 
and, and doing the best they can do under the circumstances. But I couldn't help but just sit there and go, this is a match between one team that's beleaguered off the pitch and one that is having a nightmare on it and, and is doomed for the championship. It, it, it felt, and it almost summed up by the fact that there was this bird, this injured bird that wouldn't leave the pitch. I don't know whether you saw it, Lucy. It, it sort of became this distraction to the guy. And the, both sets of fans were enjoying it. I mean, the Norwich fans were singing, we want our bird back when the bird flew up the other end of the pitch. It was a very, it just added to the sort of surreal nature of this game between a, a, a side that's doomed sort of in terms of where they're heading for uh, out of the Premier League and a, and a, t- a club that's doomed in terms of what's going to happen as far as their ownership's concerned. It was it was very strange. But quickly on the football, because that's what you asked me about. Uh, Chelsea played very well in the first half, weren't very good in the second. Kai Havertz put one in the top bins to uh, secure the three points. Ends. Very, very Spanier <laughs> and Ericsson kind of match report, that first half. Good, second half, that's so good. Um, Dom Thomas Tuchel sounded pretty committed to the cause when he spoke post-match. Some reports, mainly instigated by Jamie Carragher, linking him with the with the Man United job. Uh, I guess he's he's committed in, until the point where his position becomes untenable, basically, isn't it? But but as we've said repeatedly over the last week or so, he has emerged with as much credit as anybody from this situation and, and continues to do so. I've got nothing but admiration for the way he's dealt with it all. Um, it is a very, very strange situation um, and uh, one that could change at any moment. And But 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 yeah, I mean, it, at the moment, it sounded as if football's a bit of escapism for him and his players. And, and when they can concentrate on, as Simon says, a, a cluttered fixture schedule, then, then they don't have to think about what's actually happening off the pitch. I think that changes the moment the wages aren't paid, if, if it ever reaches that point. I mean, at that, at that stage... Um, players will start. I mean, that's when it really hits home. The players will suddenly realise, "Whoa, this is something really bad is happening here." Um, I mean, that's I don't know. That's a bit simplistic, maybe, but I, I think that's when that's when all bets are off in terms of of, of the future. I, I I imagine that the next few weeks, um, it'll be defiance on the pitch as well. I think the players will probably rally round and. You may well see some some very very good committed performances. Actually, I've I don't want to, I'm not turning this into a podcast for another football club at all. But I have experienced something similar to this, and and as a with the club that I support in in administration. And and let's be honest, the way Chelsea are being run internally at the moment, as it is, is it's it's as if they are a club in administration. Um, all unnecessary costs have been. Have been trimmed off the wage bill. Uh, everything, everything is being brought down to to sort of base level. Um, and when that happens, when it starts affecting, when when players see that members of staff are having to leave, or they're having to, or their part time staff are, are are being let loose, I, I think they feel an obligation initially, and, and it spurs them on, and it and it brings this sort of, I mean, siege mentality is a, a crass term given everything that's happening in the Ukraine at the moment, but it is that sort of tight-knit unity to the group. You know, we're in this together, and the fans will come into that as well. I was at Norwich in 1998 um, when my, my team, Palace, had gone into administration, had sold five players the day before, it loaned six out the evening before, and they had a youth team out at Norwich 
And I've never felt, as a supporter in the stand that night, I've never felt a closer bond between my club, my team, and the set of fans. It was, we were all in this together. We were all going to get this through this together. And I imagine that a similar thing will happen with Chelsea in terms of the playing staff and the supporter base that, that can attend games. Um, and that will spur them on. And I imagine that, I, I, would, I would envisage that results don't actually deteriorate too much over the course of this season. I uh, just want to quickly add, look, everyone, you have to be sympathetic to everyone, but the, the people that people should be most worried about or thinking about are, for want of a better phrase, the ordinary employees of, of Chelsea Football Club, the ones that aren't on the stupid salaries, the ones that sort of need that that salary that they pick up on a weekly basis that, that is now, if not lost, um, is under threat. Um, they're the ones that I'm thinking of right now. Um, the players and, and Thomas Tuchel, they'll be fine whatever happens because obviously they're paid a fortune anyway, but if worse comes to the worst, they can go somewhere else. Um, yeah, the, it's a different story for those that, uh, yeah, let's just say the, the, the many sort of... Chelsea's got employed so many people and they're, they're not picking up uh, big big salaries, and um, but every little bit helps and that they'll be worrying about sort of the bills they have to pay. Yep, that is true. Uh, the women's team were also in action on Thursday. They picked up a 4-1 win at West Ham. It moves them five points, two within five points of leaders Arsenal with two games in hand. Panilla Harder scored twice. Neve Giles, Sam Kerr also on target. Here's what Emma Hayes had to say about how the situation at the club has affected her team. Listen, uh, you know, we, everybody knows how tough this is for everyone, including the fans, but we must remain together. We must remain... Uh, stuck at the hip, keep supporting the team. This is important. And for all the fans across the Chelsea community, we will come through this period. All right, that's nearly it for us today. Sadly, the quiz has been superseded by events for a second successive week, so we'll never know if Simon does know the name of Dan Petrescu's daughter or not. Unless you want to chuck it in right now. Who, who's Dan Petrescu, to be honest? <laughs> it's, 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 it's what my brain, yes. No, I wouldn't know that, actually. It's Chelsea. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, of course it is. (laughs) More of that kind of stuff next Thursday, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, uh, There's there's plenty of Chelsea content up on The Athletic at the moment. Matt Slater's written a big explainer on what happens next. Jack Pitbrook's also gone deep on the Abramovich issue. Uh, Basically, chaps, that's it for you now, isn't it? There's no point in us plugging stuff that that might be coming out soon because it's all going to be about this, essentially. No, there's my Kennedy... It's my Kennedy piece that I've been... (laughs) (laughs) Next week. Okay, we look forward to that. Remember though, listener, if you're not currently subscribed to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the best place to go to sign up and stay informed. It'll only cost you £1 a month for your first six months. Uh, We'll be back on Monday. Hopefully Chelsea will be too. Thanks for your company. Try and have a good weekend and we'll catch up with you next week. 